Welcome to Project Between, a podcast about third culture kids and their experiences growing up between many cultures. I'm your host, Hannah, and today my guest is a friend whose unique TCK childhood uh, was unbeknownst to me until a few weeks ago when we reconnected after many years thanks to our mutual friend, Michelle, who came out in episode seven. So check that one out too. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the show, Moody, and I'm so happy to catch up. Thank you, Hannah. That's awesome, yeah. I can't wait for this conversation. Yeah, so I know you are currently based in Spain. Yes. Yeah, so how how are things in Europe? I know you're in Spain for a few months and you'll be back in Sweden soon. Yeah, yeah. Things in Europe, at the moment it's summer, it's nice and hot, you know. We love the summer, so everyone's in a good mood. Um, I do miss Sweden a lot. It's it's rather cold there, as you know. But yeah, in general, things are good. Mm. I'm happy. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so mm. the reason why I'm bringing up Sweden is because... So, so Moody and I went to primary and high school together, I think. It was... I counted. It was like grade five through grade nine. Yeah. And... Yeah. All that time I spent with you in the classroom, in the hallways, at friends' houses, I had no idea you were born in Sweden while your family was in exile there during the South African apartheid. Mm. And this blew my mind a few weeks ago. So we're here to talk about it today. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and get as deep as possible. I mean, there's a lot of things that were kept from me, obviously, um, as we know, our history is not a, a, a beautiful one. I mean, mm-hmm. the future is, but our history and apartheid was very sad. Um, and I think my parents tried to shelter me a little bit from that. But back to your main point, I was born in Sweden, um, I lived there till I was six. And then my parents moved back to South Africa. Um, and that's where I grew up. And that's where we met. Right. <laughs> And all our friends and, you know, all those good memories. And a bit later on in life, I won't mention any ages, I decided to move back. So I've been back in Sweden for the past three years. Um, But now I'm currently working in Spain. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, making my way through the EU, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so jealous. (laughs) That's where you're, you know, expanding your career. Um, But, yeah, I... I had no idea you had this, I don't know, secret childhood <laughs> that no one knew of. And by the sounds of it, a lot of our mutual friends didn't really know about this either. Yeah, I think it's probably one of my best kept secrets. I always say I've never had the reason to say I'm Swedish because I've always been South African. My parents are South African. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up as a South African so there was never a need to to mention it, you know, and we all kind of just blended in. You know how we grew up. Yeah. All multicultural and stuff. So all multicultural, but we were all South African. Right. Um, so there was no need for me to mention it mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> yeah. Even till now. It's really hard to be like, oh, I'm actually a Swedish national just because I'm so used to saying I'm South African. Yeah. And I'm sure it's complicated, you know, to explain the whole history and everything else behind it exactly Hannah you know what you nailed it um so everywhere I go I kind of have to be like I'm South African Swedish and then it's like how did you get there and I'm like oh 
such a long story, you know, like I was born in Sweden and then I grew up in South Africa and now I'm back in Sweden. And it's such, it's such a long story. And how do you like compact it into a minute of just meeting someone, you know, say I just met you for the first time and I must explain why I live in Sweden. You know, it's very, it's very complicated. Yeah. But it's uh, a struggle that all of us have us third culture kids. And so as unique as your story is, I thought it, would be kind of nice to hear your story through the TCK questionnaire. And obviously, I'm going to throw in a million other questions in there just because I'm so curious and yeah. it kind of feels like I'm meeting you all over again for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see what uh, comes of this. So, Let's begin the TCK questionnaire. I think you've sort of uh, answered the first question already, which is your name and nationality. But what is your full name and nationality? Okay. My full name is Mudiyehi. It's a Tswana name. So that's the South African in me. Um, my nationality is I'm a dual nat national. So I'm South African, Swedish or Swedish South African, as you will. <laughs> mm -hmm. And where were you born? I was born in Stockholm, Sweden. And uh, in which countries did you grow up? So if you can just sort of tell us where you went to elementary, middle, high school and beyond. Okay. So I guess in my beginning in Sweden, it's called Dagis. So like your beginning preschool. Um, I was in Sweden. And like I said, when I turned six, my parents moved back to South Africa. So I did my primary school, high school, a little bit of college in South Africa. And then I started working, obviously. Um, and then I decided I needed a career change, just a life change. And yeah, I went back to Sweden and I studied again. And that's how I got into the tourism field. And yeah, here I am in the tourism field. So in many ways, you've come full circle. Mm. It absolutely feels like that. Because mm. um, I still have my childhood friend who, you know, I grew up with when I was little. and her mom was my daycare teacher. Oh, wow. And they have so many stories to tell me about, you know, when I was younger and, you know, the things I did. And, you know, it's so weird because I looked at a picture the other day and I was sulking. And um, Oh, is this the in... picture you sent in? No, no, there's, there's lots of those. Oh. <laughs> um, and she said to me, oh, there was a day, you know, you went for a photo shoot at school, but you wanted to wear another dress and then your mom didn't let you wear the dress. And then next thing, um, you wore a different dress and then you just refused to smile. And I remember looking at that photo, like maybe a couple of months before she told me that story. And I'm like, why was I so sad? <laughs> and it was all because I couldn't wear a dress, like in, in true moody fashion, just throwing a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> but that was something my mom didn't know. And yeah, she was like a second mom to me. Yeah, growing up. Wow. Yeah, so it must be really nice reconnecting with all of your childhood friends again. Absolutely. It's like we, it's almost like my friends back in South Africa. It's like we never left each other. You know, when I go back, they're still there. We're still us, you know, and mm. it's exactly the same with yeah. this family. It's amazing. I mean, good friendships are hard to come by, but once you have them, they're forever. <laughs> yeah. Hear ye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I am curious. So when you, so you were born in Sweden and when you were growing up there until age six, how did your parents explain that situation to you? And were you aware of why you were there? 
It's mm, an interesting question, but no. So I never felt like I was not supposed to be there. If I think about it retrospectively. Um, yeah, I, as kids do, we just are where our parents place us, you know, and it's, it's as long as you're safe, as long as you have a roof of your head, mm-hmm. you don't question too much, you know, when you're younger. Right. Um, but it was only when I got older, obviously we'd moved from Sweden that like my parents would tell me a little bit, you know, cause I think I did ask why, why are we leaving this place? Why are we in South Africa kind of thing? And they started explaining surely, but surely, slowly, but surely, um, yeah, exile, apartheid, this and that. And obviously our history lessons were all about apartheid. And then I kind of started putting pieces together. Mm-hmm. So I never felt like I wasn't supposed to be in Sweden. I just, you know, it was life. I was growing up. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind me asking, was your father a political figure in in South Africa? Is that why you, your family was in exile? So, yeah, now this gets a little bit complicated because I don't know the full details, but I can tell you what I do know. He was very involved with um, the ANC and the Freedom Fighters, you know, in Contoesiswe and all of that. And, um, yeah, so they they met in exile, got married, had kids. Uh, They just traveled, you know, not by force. (laughs) It wasn't because they wanted to. Um, They've just been all over the world and... Eventually, I guess, Sweden, you know, Sweden was very helpful during apartheid. And they landed up there. I think my mom stayed there about 15 years, more or less. But my dad was not always around. Um, he was fighting for the freedom of South Africa, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's not with us at the moment uh, anymore. But he makes me very proud, you know. And um, I think every daughter looks up to their dad, most, anyway. And yeah, I just want to like make him proud wherever he is now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's he's very proud. Oh, thanks, Hannah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I read up on this a little bit actually uh, to prepare for our interview today, and apparently uh, the Swedish government was more generous to the apartheid than any other government in the world. They were incredible. Yeah. I have huge respect for Sweden, not only because I'm a national. <laughs> that's one. But two, I think for any country to open their arms like that is just unbelievable. I mean, if we think about how many of the countries there are in the world, not many were open to doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think till today, Sweden is the same. You know, they're very open. They're very welcoming. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the sounds of it, uh, when apartheid ended in 1994, I guess that's when you moved back. Yeah. So not 90, yeah, end of 94. Okay. And my dad moved back first um, to set up and stuff. And then uh, my mom, no, then my brothers and I came. Um, So I've got three older brothers. It was, yeah. So we came and then the two older ones went back um, so they grew up in Sweden. And then my mom eventually came, maybe a few months later. And that was hard, actually. Now that I think about it, like, that was really hard because I was really close to my dad, but I was also, I was closer to my mom because I spent so much time with her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it was really nice to be reunited with my dad also. <laughs> so, yeah, 
that's that's how it went. Wow. So you have three older brothers, and I imagine they probably spent a much larger portion of their childhood in Sweden because of the age difference. Yeah. So I'm curious now, uh, what language or languages did you speak at home with your parents and with your siblings? You won't believe it, but it was English. Um, so I grew up with a brother that's just before me. Like I said, the two older ones went back to Sweden. Um, and I lost all my Swedish. No one believes the story. <laughs> um, but I would, wouldn't speak Swedish. I only spoke, spoke English when we moved to South Africa. So English was the language in the house. But my brothers and my parents spoke Swedish and English here and there. Oh, wow. So, yeah, English, my first language. Second, as you see, I don't know how to class it now. <laughs> the Swedish <laughs> was my first language. <laughs> uh -huh. And then I learned but now English is my first language. Swedish is my second. Mm. D did your parents speak other African languages as well? Absolutely. My parents are very, well, my mom is very proudly South African. That's probably where I get it from. Um, she speaks so many different languages. She's a linguist, I swear. But she speaks um, most of the, the South African languages. And Zulu, um, Tana, you know. The list, the long list of, of yeah, Afrikaans and yeah. I mean, she can change languages like this, and I just look like she calls her. Okay, I'll give you an example. One day she'll call me. We'll be speaking in English. She'll switch immediately to Swedish, and then she'll switch to like Tswana, and then she'll switch to Zulu, and I'm like, whoa, one language at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I love she's that. Really, yeah, she's just geez, she's a power powerhouse. Oh. Uh, on a related note, what languages do you speak now? And what language do you dream in and swear in? Okay, what language I speak is English, fluently English. I know a little bit of Sututuana. Um, not a little bit, I can get by quite well. Um, and Swedish also. All on the same level. So English is fluent and then the rest of the languages are, I mix them up a bit. The language I dream in is English. Thinking it depends who I'm talking talking to. If I'm speaking to a Swedish person or texting in Swedish, obviously I'm thinking in Swedish. And if I'm speaking to an English person, then it's English. And what language do I swear in? English. <laughs> um, but obviously I pick up the, the. It's easier to pick up the bad words. Yeah, always. <laughs> so yeah, English and Swedish. And a little bit of Afrikaans, you know. Yeah. Afrikaans <laughs> has some good swear words too. No, exactly. It's that, it's that passion when you say it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Um, well, I, I have to ask you the, the identity question now. And some mm. people prefer to talk about it in terms of percentages. Some people like to avoid the percentages altogether but yeah what percentage of your identity would you attribute to each of the places you've lived okay for me Johannesburg is my identity I'd say that because I just feel like no matter where I go it will always be home and I think we're going to get into that later um but living in Sweden Borlingen or Sweden has made me realize that I'm not just South African, you know. I also have this Swedish side to me that just kind of 
pops up every now and then, you know. Um, for example, you do not wear shoes in the house. <laughs> Leave the shoes at the door, you know, and that's not a common thing in South Africa. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. We walk with masks. Um, yeah, so percentage-wise, I'd probably say 75, 25 maybe. So 75 yeah. South African, 25 Swedish? Yeah. Maybe even less Swedish. I don't know. I'm still trying to fi- figure that out. It's only been three years back, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but I didn't know that uh, Swedes don't wear shoes in the house because uh, Koreans don't wear shoes in the house either. Mm. And when mm. we lived in South Africa, it was always such a pain trying to explain to friends to take off your shoes, please. <laughs> <laughs> please do, yes. Yeah. yeah, no. And the weirdest thing is I still practiced that when I was in South Africa till about, like, Till I left, no shoes in the house, and I was very strict about it. Um, oh, so your family sort of adopted that from Sweden? Yeah. Oh, wow. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so in my apartment, I, I remember just cringing every time, because obviously you can't just tell people to take off their shoes. That's <laughs> a bit weird in South Africa. Mm. But I just remember cringing every time someone came over because I'm like, you have to take the shoes off. That's why there's a shoe rack, like, as you walk in. <laughs> Modi, I really wish I had had you over at my house more often. I would have, we would have just gotten each other, you know? Shoes off immediately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who does that? You know, and, like, another thing that, like, I find really cringeworthy is when people jump on their beds with their shoes on. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, no. <laughs> No, yeah, that's no. when the Asian in me is like the Korean in me is like ah no, <laughs> make it make it stop. Look away, look away. Yeah, that and like wearing so like the clothes you wore outside. Say you sat on a bench or whatever, and then you sit on your bed with that. No. <gasps> oh my god, I have that rule too. It's like a no no. <laughs> no 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 no. Yeah. Clean stuff on the bed only. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Maybe I should move to Sweden. That sounds like come. <laughs> <laughs> We need more staffers in Sweden, I swear. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, man, that's so funny. Uh, if we move on to the next question, uh, this is one of my favorite questions, and it's uh, what's your go-to comfort food? Mm, cake. <laughs> is, that a, is that a food? Is well, it what kind yeah. of cake, if you're more specific? Okay. Um, weirdly enough, when I was a baby or when I was a child, I really liked this Swedish cake called Princess Torta. It's like, um, it's a cake and then it's got marzipan, it's got the cream. Ooh. It's called marzipan over it. It's green. And it's absolutely divine. Um, and that was my favorite cake growing up. And then I moved, we moved to South Africa, obviously. And like cake was still a thing for me. I think I ate cake every Friday, even till my, you know, late into my 20s. And then I moved back to Sweden and I was so happy <laughs> to finally have the princess torta back in my life, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so that's my, that, that would be my comfort food, cake and specifically princess torta. What did you do when you missed it in South Africa? Is this something that you're able to make easily at home? No, see, I don't bake. <laughs> I don't cook very well either. But um, no, it's, I don't know. Even if we were to make it back home in South Africa, I don't think it would taste the same. You know, there's, there's so many steps to it. There's jam in there. There's cream. It's like a sponge cake with cream and not yeah, cream and um, jam and then marzipan over. 
And like, you know, ingredients are so different in every country. So I don't think it would have tasted the same. But I remember taking my first bite of the Pinsel's Torta when I got back and I'm like, this is it. You know that, like, yeah. <laughs> like that familiar taste. You're like, I know this tastes so well. Yeah. It, it took, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I think I would uh, feel the same way about uh, things like milk tart or mm, like mm. black forest cake, but milk tart especially because you, you can't really find it outside of South Africa. No. no. Yeah, and I think uh, my mom tried to bake it for us, but it's it's quite tricky, you know? Yeah, and exactly. That and funnily enough, um, as a kid, you know how in like Woolworths or the shopping marts that we used to go to, they sell Easter eggs, but like the chocolate covered yeah. marshmallows, they don't sell yes. that anywhere. No, exactly. Of- that is typically South African, you know? Yeah. And I love that stuff. And, you know, you, you get it and it's like, like almost like a sausage. It's like linked. So you get like mm, five yes. or six. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this, Together. Yes. And... Yeah, I thought they had that in other countries, and I remember looking for it in New York and not having any oh, luck. What a disappointment. Did they not have, like, because I know, okay, I think it was Beacon that made it, made those ones, but there were different variations. So did they not have, like, different variations of a marshmallow egg in New York? I think I tried to find a variation on mm. the marshmallow egg, but it just didn't taste the same. Exactly, you yeah. know, it's just... I don't know. It's probably in the water. <laughs> probably. It be, it's, it's like specific ingredients. Yeah. yeah, it's the water. It's like the flour they use, everything else. Yeah. Exactly. But um, yeah, those marshmallow eggs, I wouldn't say is a comfort food for me in any way, but it's definitely very nostalgic. And if, I don't know, somebody handed it to me right now and I took a bite, I'd probably tear up. No, exactly. It takes <laughs> you right back to the moments, you yeah. know, like... And waiting for Easter because they only come out in like May. When, when do they come out? March? March, March April. The, mm. yeah. Yeah. And the hot cross buns. And oh my gosh, yeah, hot cross buns. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when I was in London, I ran into a Woolworths and I was like, Woolworths! But it, it wasn't quite as I remembered it. Yeah. I think with that... South Africa is very good, well, because we grew up there, it's very good at being specific with products. So even if we say find a Woolworths, for example, in another country, it, it just can't be the same. Yeah. You won't get chakalaka in, in Sweden for sure. No. <laughs> or a boss or, you know, yeah. biltong. <laughs> yeah, where where did you find that biltong that you sent me? The photo of. earlier mm. yeah no that was when I went back so I go back home I try to go back home once a year mm-hmm. like I have to touch base it's very easy to lose yourself when you live away from home mm-hmm. um it's always a bad thing but there's certain parts of me I feel I want to hold on to um so I go home once a year so last year I went home and I bought some built on every day <laughs> um, <laughs> So I went back in my gallery. I was just trying to think, like, okay, what should I post about this? And I was like, ah, Biltong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you hit <laughs> the spot. Cool. I'm like, no, yeah. I can't get that. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the next question is, name a place that informed your taste in the arts. So this can be music, art, books, films, you name it. Mm-hmm. Again, 
so much of my life is Johannesburg, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I had to expand. Um, I love it to bits, but you, you just get drawn into this circle um, and you do the same things and you're in this routine and, you know, there's more to life than the city you grew up in. But when I get down to the basics, Johannesburg informed a very big part of me. Johannesburg is a city. Mm-hmm. Josie, Joburg, what do you call it? <laughs> I think, well, when we live, it's, it's Joburg for me. But yeah, Josie, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, but yeah, I, I think I only end up calling it Joburg around other people who grew up mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a common term. Yeah. For example, I always make this mistake. Um, I obviously have a lot of international classmates. And instead of saying South Africa, I get into this trap where I'm like, in SA, SA this, SA this. And the other day, one girl stopped me and she's like, sorry, by SA, do you mean South Africa? And I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. Sorry. <laughs> you, know, oh, you just get used to those what are those like little words that only people you grew up with knew know yeah. and then you get stuck over and over again yeah. yeah and i find even if you um say the whole, the full name it's never south africa it's always south africa you know yeah, yeah. yes you say it perfectly it's like that there's no break in between yeah it's a th africa you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. That. I hardly say South Africa. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Mm. Okay, well, since we're talking about country cities, out of all the places you've lived, what is where's your favorite city? Out of all the places I've lived, mm-hmm. yeah, I've only lived in Pittsburgh and Borlinger, and now Costa Durada in Spain. Ah, this is getting monotonous, but Johannesburg. <laughs> Johannesburg. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, the other cities I have nothing against them you know I love I've loved everywhere I've lived it's just that so much of my identity is was formed in Johannesburg you know mm-hmm. and it's hard to let go um yeah of course I'm open to learning other cultures which I am you know it's very good to meet different people and learn different things but at the core of me I'm a Joburg girl yeah well, well, let me ask you this. Um, so when I left Joburg at 16 years old and went to Hong Kong, that was my first experience of a city mm. with public transportation, skyscrapers, and it was a huge culture shock for me. So I wonder for you, what was it like moving to a European city after having lived in Joburg your whole life? So this is an interesting one because the city that I moved to, it's two hours out of um, Stockholm by train, but it's more of a, it's like a very quiet city. So it's very peaceful. There's a lot of nature. That's where I learned to take walks in the forest and just like be by myself and Zen and all of that. Very appreciative of um, that space because, as you know, Johannesburg is very fast and very fast paced, and everything happens, and you go and you go and you go, and there's never a time to like breathe. Um, but Borlinger kind of slowed me down um, and made me appreciate the small things in life, you know, like taking the, t- the time out to fika. I don't know if you know that term. Yeah, fika. Yeah, mm. Exactly. Um, 
so what it was like moving back, uh, moving back, well, moving to Orlinga, it was a complete mind change. Um, I had to learn just to be, it's okay to take a break. Yeah. You don't always have to be busy. Mm. Um, and that's a good thing that I learned, mm. to be honest. Is there, yeah, is there a reason why you chose not to go to Stockholm, say, and move somewhere a little more quiet? Um, no, so it was all fate, to be honest. Uh, I wanted to study tourism, and the course that I wanted to study was available in English in this city. Oh, I see. And it just, that just so happened. And I'm so glad it did work out that way, you know, because, like I said, it's very slow, whereas Stockholm, as you can imagine, is very fast-paced. And I think even learning Swedish would have been a little bit more difficult. Um, learning the culture probably would have been more difficult. And the county, Dalarna, is actually like the heart of Sweden. When you think of the big red horses, you know, the big red horse, that's the symbol of Sweden. Mm. It comes from Dalarna County. So okay. I was really in the heart of Sweden, which is quite nice. Oh, that sounds lovely. Um, something mm. that I've always wanted to do if ever I'm in Sweden at the right time is go foraging for mushrooms, which is something I hear Swedes do. Yes, yeah. The biggest, one of the other biggest kept secrets is the location of those mushrooms. I don't know if you know that. Mm -mm. So, um, apparently, they, so if you find a spot, you kind of don't tell anyone else where the spot is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just keep it to yourself. So, I haven't gone mushroom picking, but I have gone blueberry picking and um, is it raspberry picking. And that is absolutely, it's, it's called nature bathing and you just clear your mind in the forest. It's mm. amazing. Mm. But of course, I'd love to have you for some mushroom picking and whatever else Swedes <laughs> are known for. I don't know. <laughs> just you wait. But I think I'll probably have to go in the summertime because uh, I heard in the wintertime you get like three hours of sun. Uh, sun? What sun? <laughs> <laughs> There's hardly any sun in winter. I mean, and if, if, if it does show up, it's kind of like masked by this cloud of grey, mm. which um, I complain about so much when I'm in it, but it's so... Winter resets you. Swedish winter resets you. That's how I feel. Because it's completely dark and you just kind of need to take moments by yourself and just reevaluate where you are. Mm. It's the weirdest thing. I love summer, but I also love winter. The Swedish winter specifically. Oh, that that's kind of surprising because I would think somebody from South Africa with all that sun mm. and those, you know, right. glorious sunsets to suddenly right. have to move somewhere where there's so little sunlight would be quite difficult. But yeah. it seems like you've sort of found a way to deal with it in a very uh zen way. Yeah, no, it's taken a, you know, every winter is the same, is different and you never get used to it, but you try, you know, each winter, each, at the end of each summer, I'm like, okay, this winter, this is what I got to do. Winter comes and I do something completely different, but you get through eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I can't yeah. even imagine. My goodness. But you should actually, for me, it was my first winter. I was like quite excited because in my head, I couldn't obviously remember that it was all dark, like for most of the day. And when it actually did happen, because I was like anticipating this time where it's going to be all dark and, you know, like people hype it up so much. And it was, it was the weirdest thing to see like 
it's 10 o'clock and it's still dark, 10 a.m. and it's still dark, you know, and then it's three o'clock and it's dark and it's just so bizarre. It's something that you have to see to mm. believe. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. And then, of course, in summer, then the sun doesn't set. Yeah. Which, you know, what Scandinavia is kind of known for. It's like, wow, the sun is up all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Perfect it's setting not- for Midsommar. You know that uh, thriller? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah okay no i have to stand up for sweden then <laughs> it's not like that at all Midsummer is glorious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody thinks when they think sweden like so is it true that midsummer yeah. i'm like not that i've seen guys no, <laughs> don't worry it's a movie <laughs> exactly you know it's like in africa not everybody you know rides a camel to work it's just <laughs> yeah it just is what it is yeah. <laughs> yeah, the giraffe in the backyard kind of thing. Absolutely, you know, the lion yeah. guarding the house and everything. <laughs> yeah, although I'm pretty sure when we were living there in four ways, you know, Lion Park, that mm. reserve, mm. a lion escaped one time. That was quite common. Yeah, I and think. it was like running around and they had to catch it. So stuff like that does happen. Just it quite, does happen. Yeah, which is quite unusual, but it's not every day that that happens. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think that, for me, that's the most important thing about being South African is just, I mean, I can't educate everybody, but if I have a conversation with one person, I'm like, no, we don't all do this or we don't all do that. You know, if I can squash at least one stereotype, that person will hopefully, you know, have a different thinking towards Africa and um, the way we live and, you know, just open, open their mind. Cause I've, I've met some closed minded people, man. It's mm. like, it's weird. Yeah. Really weird. Um, well, it yeah, sounds we like, English. yeah. It sounds like you're doing them a huge service, you know, maybe this is why <laughs> you are in Europe, you know, you know, you know, like maybe, I don't know. Mm. Cause it's also how weird how like I ended up in tourism and, you know, as you know, I've always been an outgoing girl. Yeah. But that wasn't my, where I started, you know, it's just kind of been a big loop of things. And now I'm in tourism and like, yeah, hmm. ready to educate the people about different cultures, you know, and learn also. It's about learning. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. Um, well, since you mentioned that you've always been an outgoing girl, um, <laughs> I, I did I did wonder what it was like for you when you moved back at age six because I'm pretty sure I think it was Michelle who told me that you know you were shy because you had like a Swedish accent or or something like this. Um Michelle's really, really good actually. Mm. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that time in your life? Yeah, of course, like a little bit. And I think that's what made me outgoing. You know, I remember my mom always telling me, like, for example, I think when we moved, I wouldn't speak to people because it's, well, I guess it's not a very big thing in the Swedish culture, you know, and up until that point, that's how I grew up. But the South African culture is you greet everybody, you greet your elders, you like, that's how it is. And um, yeah, I just kind of Growing up in that culture, I changed. So initially I was shy and, you know, to myself, but growing up, you know, you have to just embrace people around you. It's, it's weird to live in a silo, to be honest. So that's, I guess, that's 
that's how it switched is my mom telling me, you can't be shy. You have to be confident. You have to, you know, um, speak your mind. Don't be a pushover. Don't, you know, so yeah. And now I think it's, it's kind of in the middle. Um, I'm outgoing. Yes. But I, I am also very withdrawn. I'm very introverted, you know, so I'm somewhere in the middle. And that's maybe where the two nationalities meet each other. Mm. You're introverted? That's very hard for me to believe. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, even for myself, because mm. when I'm in Sweden, I'm very to myself. And it's very, I'd say, I don't know. I like to keep to myself. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's the introverted side of me. Mm. But when I'm back in South Africa, and maybe it's because like, it's a new area. You know, maybe if I stay there a bit longer, I'll get more comfortable. I don't I don't know what it is, but I'm very to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think a place can definitely change you. And I think, you know, the the older you get, you know, you, you realize that, you know, you have different sides to you. So yeah. you, know, you don't always yeah. have to be outgoing. You can enjoy your solitude as much as you like enjoying, you know, enjoy other people. Exactly. And you need to kind of meet somewhere in the middle with that. Um, you can't give too much on this side and you can't give too much on that side. Yeah. So, to keep yourself centered and sane, I guess. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. Let me ask you the next question, which is, uh, when did you first hear the term third culture kid or TCK and realize you were one? This is going to sound so funny. But when you posted about starting this blog, that was the first time I ever heard about it. And I was like, oh, this, this is really interesting. And then I told you I listened to you and Danby and then Michelle's obviously been on. And it's only when you contacted me, I was like, hey, <laughs> I fit into this bracket. I had like, and like I told you, I've never thought of myself as anything other than a South African. But yeah. now I realize that I am a third culture kid, you know. Um, the things that my mom would do, would have done at my age now, is not what I would do now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a, a generational thing, but also just the way we were raised, just then the fact that you are in Sweden, mm-hmm. working there, exploring, you know, new avenues, that I think that sort of confidence comes from having spent your childhood in another country. Yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think even my aunt said, like, when I saw them last year, she was like, you're a completely different person. And I'm like, you kind of have to be when you, you throw yourself into a new culture. You know, you have to learn. You have to be respectful of where you are, of course. And you have to learn to take care of yourself, you know. And you also have to find more confidence. I mean, I was never a non-confident, not confident girl, but I think, Living by myself in a foreign country has definitely kind of elevated that confidence and I'm very grateful for the experience. Mm. Well, since you're on the topic, uh, what's the hardest thing about being a third culture kid and what's something you love about being a third culture kid? Should we start Mm -hmm. with the hard one first? Yeah, (laughs) let me give it a think. (laughs) But yeah, probably like I said, even growing up, my mom just couldn't understand some of the things I was doing. She was just like, you don't do that as a girl, you know, or like there were just things that she just couldn't understand why 
I did them, you know, um, not bad things, just things that she wouldn't have done. So that's probably the hardest part of being a third culture kid is kind of trying to understand your parents and also for them to understand you. You know, mm. it's again, meeting you in the middle somewhere, which is what is the middle, you know? Um, yeah, so trying to understand your parents <laughs> is the hardest part of being a third yeah, culture Yeah, I mean, kid. I think um, in that, in that area, um, I think my my mom and I, we, in certain on certain topics, we've just um, agreed to disagree, mm. and mm. yeah, I think so much time has passed, and because of my very different background uh, or upbringing, it's impossible mm. to meet in the middle sometimes, and I think that's okay. Yeah. yeah, on certain topics, we just disagree. You know, it just it is what it is. Yeah, and that's what I love about being older is that there is that confidence that she, she believes she's made the right decisions with me and she's instilled the right kind of morals for mm-hmm. me to make decisions by myself, you know? Um, so is that, she believes I have a good foundation, but she did, she did good, she did good bringing me up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the hardest part about being a third culture kid. Yeah. And what's something you love about being a third culture kid? It's my uniqueness. I mean, I've never met anybody that can say, hey, look, I was born in Stockholm and I grew up in Johannesburg. And guess what? I'm back in Sweden, Borlinger. That is my favorite part of it, you know. Um, it's a mouthful to say, like I, I think we said off, offline. Um, so when anyone asks me, depending where I am in the world, in, in Sweden, I'm South African. But in the EU, I'm Swedish, South African kind of thing. So yeah. I love the fact that I have like this thing about me i'm not just one nationality yeah you're one of a kind yeah unique (laughs) (laughs) um okay we've arrived at the final question and i think we've sort of touched on this throughout our conversation which is the topic of home where Mm. is home for you moody um i'm gonna say something really corny but i i think of it all the time home is where the heart is and sometimes home is in my apartment in Wallinger. And sometimes home is missing Johannesburg. But um, I don't think I have one home anymore. And I think that's what happens when you become a traveler. You can't just have one home because so many different places rub off on you. And you're like, this feels like home, you know. These people feel like home. This food feels like home. Mm. So I can't give you an answer specifically. Um, I have to stick with home is where the heart is. So mm-hmm. That's a good anyway. answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we've yeah gone through all of the questions in the TCK questionnaire. Um, I obviously asked you some additional ones along the way. Mm. But yeah, I, I learned yeah so much about you and also I think your parents as well your your parents sound like fascinating people yeah there's a lot of history um my my oldest brother can give you a whole list of of um exile and apartheid obviously he went through the the thick of it Mm -hmm. um but he also just stands in awe of my dad and just the things that my parents did um not just them but so many of the freedom fighters, you know, just to make South Africa 
the place where it is today, you know, free, equal rights, and, you know, the peaceful place that we hope it will be one day kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for people like your dad, I wouldn't have been able to live in South Africa when I did. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, even I owe my childhood to, yeah, all the freedom fighters and people who paved the way for a country that's now free and equal. Mm. Yeah. And also, like, not forgetting the way we grew up, you know, like, like you said, we knew each other from, like, grade five, maybe, to grade nine. Yeah. And there was never, what's, only one specific kind of person, you know, like, for example, South Africans look like this. No, we've always had like a mix. Our French, our friendship group is such a mix of people. Whereas, like, if I look at Michelle, maybe if I didn't know her, I'd be like, she's not South African. But actually, no, she really is. She's more South African than I am. She was born there, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I just love about South Africa is the fact that we have so many different people, and yet we are so unique and so proud to be South African. It's amazing. Our culture is amazing. Yeah. No, it's so true. When I was talking to Michelle about this as well, um, we were talking about how, you know, we'd go to friends' houses and try the food that they're eating at home. And it's kind of hard to define South African cuisine because it really depends on which family you go to. So that family might come from Italy or the UK or Sweden or Korea or Taiwan. And all of that comes together to make Make South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and it's so funny because like I always get asked this. So what is a typically South African dish? And I'm like, huh, I've, I can't even tell you, you know, I always go with like, we have a very like tomato based diet because, you know, like pap and flace always comes with tomato sauce, you know, so yeah. really, but it's really hard to say what our cuisine is. I just say bravos and Uravos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's the only thing that comes to mind. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to that. If someone asks me, Uravos. They go like, is what is that? It's like, it's a, it's a South African sausage and it's the best sausage you've ever had. You know, like, especially off the braai. Straight off the braai onto a hot dog roll. Come yeah. on, you have entire breakfast, lunch and dinner there. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah, brais too. But I mean, and and brai, you can pretty much pop on anything, and it'll taste good. So, do you miss brais as much as I do? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, every day, not every day, but like when I'm a little bit homesick, I'm like, today would be a good time for a brai. But nobody does it like South Africa, you know. We yeah. can call it a grill. Yeah. We can call it a barbecue. But it's a a brai is a brai. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, and one of my fi- favorite childhood memories is, um, you know how the seasons are reversed in mm. the Southern Hemisphere? So it'll be Christmas, and we're at home, we have the braai going, and I'm swimming, and just like running yeah. around with our dogs, and there's good food and good music, and there's like some, I don't know, exotic bird flying. Flying around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what I miss the most. Yeah, mm. I can understand that. Yeah, like there's no Christmas like a South African Christmas. Yeah. And as much as like in Sweden, they get the snow. So the, 
the picture perfect Christmas, you know, all the, on the Christmas cards, it's always the snow and all of that. But for me, Christmas is about sunshine. <laughs> it must be like plus 30 degrees, not minus 30. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get that while you're living in Europe, but. No, no, yeah, for sure. Know, you're going to have to visit South Africa over Christmas one of these days. Yeah, mm. I hope so. I hope I do make it back this year. You never know. You know, I'm very unpredict- unpredictable. So. You will be. You will know on Instagram once I'm in South Africa. <laughs> mm, okay, looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I think I think I asked you all the questions I had. Did I ask you this one? Uh, is there like a Swedish side of you that has resurfaced since you started living in Sweden or Europe again? Um. No, you didn't ask me that. But mm. now I'm trying to think. I think we kind of touched on it. It's leaving our shoes outside, making sure of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did talk about it. We did, yeah. We touched on it a little Mm. bit. But also, so this is a weird one because, like I said, I've always liked cake and coffee when I got older. Coffee and cake is a thing. And then when I got back to Sweden, like, it's an actual thing, eating coffee and cake. Mm. And I was like, this is amazing. So I've been Swedish my whole life and I didn't even know it. So... The Fika culture is very much a part of me. So that has resurfaced. It never went anywhere. It was just called a coffee break in South Africa. Now it has a real name. <laughs> well, so when, when does Fika, ha- when does that happen? The coffee and cake? Always, anytime, anywhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. Literally anytime. Um, yeah, any time of day. There's no specific time. Just when you have time, take a minute out just to, you know breathe and appreciate everything around you. Mm. I think one of the most beautiful things of the Swedish culture is just taking a minute out your day to just be grateful. Mm. I love it. I love it so much. It's just unbelievable. So yeah, this could have been a fika, a virtual one. We should have just gotten coffee and some cake. Oh, that would have been nice. Yeah. Mm. Except it's like almost 11 p.m. and True, yes. Yeah. Coffee might have been not the best choice of drink yeah. <laughs> at this hour, but yeah. You can always do tea. Yeah, yeah. We should do that next time. Absolutely. I think we must do it with all the girls. Get us all oh, together. That would be so nice. Courtney and Michelle and everyone else. Martina. Yeah. Shout out to everybody. I can't remember all your names right now. I'm on the spot, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this has been so nice um yeah just to wrap up i guess you know you know what was it like coming on the show and sharing your childhood stories it was incredible like i've told you before i think this is such an important topic because so many people myself included um, don't really know what a third culture kid is or like have never explored it. And it's really important to put these things on the table so it's open. So like you're transparent and kind of you don't feel alone. You know, there's so many of us that are grew up here, born there. And sometimes it's very hard to do, uh, to speak about. And this blog has kind of put a lot of people like in the spotlight and kind of giving them the chance to, this is why I'm like this and not like this kind of thing. So yeah, great job. Mm, um, it was thank cool. you. 
You're welcome. It was really cool catching up with you too. I mean, we haven't spoken in forever. Yeah, I know. And, and I know. to see you, it's just like, oh my God, you know? I know. I know. And, and like, like I mentioned um, before we started recording, you look exactly the same. And, and it's like, I don't know, it's like we've like traveled back in time or something. But, but, I, but you know, now that I've heard your childhood story, I wonder what, yeah, I wonder what our school life would have been like had I known all this about yeah. you. I think so I, different. yeah, I think I would have tried to be friends with you more and like invited mm. you to my house and like we've yeah. we would have taken off our shoes and like you know bonded <laughs> yeah. over that, you know. <laughs> we were always at the Tarleton's house. I think we did spend a lot of time together. And like we spoke about before, yeah. It was like our main link kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um it's good to catch up with you now. Yeah. And stay in touch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And yeah, I hope our listeners enjoyed hearing Moody's very unique story. Yeah, it's it's certainly a story that I've never uh, heard or seen on paper before. So thank you so much for sharing it. And yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Before you go anywhere, there's something that Moody forgot to say in our actual interview that she'd like to say. So here it is. Yes, so I think most importantly, it's also cool to highlight the fact that I am South African and I am Swedish. The South African culture is very based on national pride. We love our brides, we love our rugby, we love our cricket, we love our soccer. And we love getting together almost every weekend and just having a jaw. That is, I think, what South African culture is kind of based on. Whereas the Swedish culture is more reserved, it's more relaxed from what I understood. It's more subdued. And that's, I think, how my two nationalities kind of clash. For example, when I left South Africa... The first time I called my bank to just make sure that my card, my bank card works internationally. And the guy on the end was like, oh, cool. Okay, great. Where are you going? And I said, oh, no, I'm just, I'm moving to Sweden. And he said, oh, great. You go, girl. Make us proud. Do well, you know. And I don't think I've ever experienced that in any other culture where people that you don't know kind of cheer you on. Um, and that's very much South African pride, I'd say. We love to see each other succeed um, for the most part. Uh, that's not to say that that's not the same in Sweden. It's just more humble because it is, the culture is based on what's called Jentelagen. And um, yes, So I'm proudly South African and humbly Swedish.